Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. I'm Dave Etler, and may I say, listeners, you look fantastic. Such shiny, silky hair, clear skin. Man. But let me tell you, that's nothing compared to my co-hosts today. For instance, Levi Endelman has a youthful glow. Hey. John Pianta, looking pretty svelte today. Um, that hair thing? Yeah, you're aerodynamic. <laughs> uh, Kylie Miller. Howdy. You, you got a twinkle in your eye. Oh, it's because we don't have an exam this week. And Adam Irwood is just the epitome of robust health. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, guys, fair warning. Uh, today on the show, interspersed throughout our informed commentary and witty banter, I will be asking you some probing questions. And listeners, if you're so moved, you could share your responses too by calling us 347-SHORT-CT. That's something that you could that you could do. Um, for instance, John, and, and you youngsters, this is a good uh, opportunity to uh, ask some follow-up questions. Uh, you know, and I say youngsters, John is an M4, you guys are M1s, so, you know. Uh, what's the first thing you want to know when starting a new clerkship? The first thing I want to say, Dave, is, is, um, on with the probing. Okay. Yes. We're all about probing. Probing questions. Yes. And, um, and, you know, starting new clerkships, this is, is in, uh, there's a lot of probing involved. <laughs> okay. Um, getting a feel for the team that you're going to work with and what their expectations are, I think is the most important part. Mm-hmm. Um, and setting your expectations accordingly. I found that that's been the most important thing in medical school, uh, is to really set my own expectations and try to be, try to moderate them because I think. So, so the expectation might not be, uh, honor, a given clerkship or even be the best, you know, damn med student you can be for this individual clerkship like what do you mean by setting ex- setting your expectations so you know if you come in and you think okay i'm i'm really good at this or i'm going to be really good at this or you know i know a lot about this or whatever um you run the risk of uh sort of disappointing yourself more i think mm-hmm. and then you also i think you can also I mean, I'm not saying don't be enthusiastic. I think the enthusiasm is the most important part, but I think controlling expectations helps with that in the sense that it's easier for me to be enthusiastic and curious when I am expecting that I'm not going to get the right answer or I'm expecting that I'm going to be corrected when I'm doing, you know, when I'm presenting things or et cetera, right? So if I expect that, that, I am just going to, you know, sort of be average in that sense. Um, then I may be pleasantly surprised if I'm not uh, in a good way, but I also won't like freak out because I'm, you know, mm. needing extra help or I need, you know, to prepare more or whatever. Um, and I think that setting those expectations for yourself is a good way of um, 
sort of prote- protecting yourself from the difficulty of yeah of clerkships. Not to mention that I overconfidence uh, is a is a risk factor for uh, for getting dinged uh, by your attendings and residents. I think is you know if you're if you're overconfident about your abilities or your knowledge or anything like that, they're gonna they're gonna be able to tell, and you can you know they'll they'll end up commenting about it uh, or or evaluating you based on it. Oh yeah, you you will hear about that. Although in honest in all honesty, I think there's a very small minority of, sure. of med students nope, for, absolutely. Whom, for whom that'll be a problem. For most people, and I see it all the time, is that they um, really they're under an enormous amount of stress. And it's you are your own worst enemy kind of stress mm-hmm. because it's that it's that same sort of thing like, OK, I'm going to get all these questions right or I'm going to, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like if you approach tests like that and I think you guys know, you know, have found your own way to sort of mitigate your anxiety for these multiple choice tests and stuff like that. But it's a totally different thing when you're in front of a group of people who you like or you want to be like and you admire and respect or even in the opposite are scared of intimidated by and then you know you're being interrupted or you're being corrected or you're being told you know oh that's not correct or and so it just depends on how people handle it and how i mean you know how you deal with that socially but if you you know are someone like me who's very um uh, i love social interaction what? but i am also <laughs> i know right i'm I'm uh, most. He's so shy and retiring. Usually, yeah. I know it's that, it's that introvert. Yeah. <laughs> do you, yeah, clearly. Do you guys have uh, follow-up questions about this? Well, I can identify with when John said, you know, it's one thing taking a multiple choice test versus when there is feedback that is directed, you know, at you personally has your name and face attached to it, and just being in M one year, I can tell that you know when I take a test with. The 180 other students in our class, I don't really care how, necessarily how I do. I mean, in the grand scheme, yes. A wrong answer is a wrong answer in that environment. It's, yeah. it's not like a comment on your on your personal no. worth. And and I know other people are going to miss them. But now in MOHD, uh, Mechanisms on Health and Disease, we have multiple like kind of small assignments to do that ask questions about uh genetics or interpreting data and those get looked over by one of the course directors personally with your name on it and they provide personalized feedback to your answers incorrect or correct and I like want to impress them and I think oh my god I have to do so much better on this because they're gonna think I'm an idiot so and that's not even having to look them in the eye I could imagine yeah yeah well and and then you I think on clerkships there are there's also the risk of getting feedback from somebody who just does not have the time or maybe even the skills <laughs> to uh, formulate feedback in a way that is uh, neutral, I would say, or mm-hmm. constructive. Um, so that's, there, there is a risk there too, which is always a little bit intimidating, but I would imagine that never happens to me because I'm perfect and I also don't get much feedback. 
<laughs> I'm going to start leaving you little notes under your door. Yeah, please do. I, I would like to know more about what you feel. Passive aggressive uh, sticky notes. Yes. I'll have to type them because I'm probably the only person in the school who can only write in cursive and cannot oh. print. So it will. Can't, oh, apparently Levi high fiving me here can't write normally. Either. We need to have a cursive off between the two of you <laughs> to see whose writing is better. Do you write girly cursive? You know what I'm talking I, about. I'm so offended by that. I, you know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about. Is it because it's curvy and it's got it's intelligent yeah, looking? Yeah, maybe there's a heart above the eye. No, <laughs> anatomical heart. I yes, an anatomical heart. I get two heart. atria and two ventricles right over that. Eye. And, and you got to put loops on to mm -hmm. even see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty impressive. Guys, it's uh, November. Thank you, John. By well, the way, there is oh, one thing I wanted yeah. to say. So you know the the Unabomber was actually part of a, a social experiment, a very, very, very unethical social experiment. I do. He was a child prodigy, mm -hmm. and he went to Harvard, like, very young, and he was uh, enrolled in um, this experiment where they, like, systematically undermined these people, where they, they would have, like, their mentors and stuff like that just basically harass and harangue them. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it caused, you know, a great mental emotional breakdown. This was an experiment. It wasn't med school. Yeah, but I, I think you, you can't underscore the power. You can't uh, you can't underestimate the power of that kind of social harassment and, and its ability to damage someone psychologically. Hmm. And so I think the the danger of this, and this is what I'm talking about uh, modulating your expectations, is the idea that you're not setting yourself up in your own mind to being so perfect that you turn sort of any reasonable criticism into that, much less actual harassment, which you may or may not encounter. And uh, most of the people that I know have encountered some actual harassment. So... All right. Uh, it's November. Thank you. It is November. Semester is uh, is about to accelerate. At least uh, it will seem that way uh, as we plow toward winter break. And in between now and then, there will be some exams. And uh, you have one M ones. You you have an exam coming up next, next week. Yeah, next week. What's the uh, what's the subject? Uh, mechanisms of health and disease, respiratory and exercise. Okay. I feel like I could do it. Like, I exercise and breathe harder. Or I climb a stair and breathe harder. But, <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, as I say, in, bet in between now and then there are exams and there's going to be finals. It'll be, you know, coming up quick. Um, and do you feel any stress about this at all? You nervous? How are you feeling about your your first semester of M1 year, you guys. I'm consistently concerned that I'm doing it wrong because yeah. I'm enjoying myself so much. Oh, <laughs> is this true? It really is though. I mean, taking an exam is always gonna bring about a little bit of stress, but I don't feel like they put unreasonable expectations on us uh, with time frames okay. or the amount of material. Okay. I still have fun. I I don't know. I well. You know, I might be in the minority, so I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was hoping for somebody to say, "Oh my God, I'm I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble," um, because uh, I thought it would be a good time to give you guys a little pep talk, right? Um, 
something to keep you motivated. Are you ready? You ready for my pep talk? Yeah. Your death is coming. That's it. Done. Uh, a study soon to appear in the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology found that basketball players who are reminded of their own mortality before playing took more shots and scored more points than those who were not so reminded. <laughs> so uh, in the first experiment, basketball players were recruited for a uh, one-on-one -on -one for two one-on-one -on -one games with a lead researcher who they thought just thought was another subject. Um, and after the game, they were given a survey asking either how they felt about basketball or their thoughts on their own death. <laughs> a second one-on-one -on -one game was played. And those in the group who reminded of their imminent demise performed 40% better <laughs> on in their performance. I mean, well, yeah. Now that is an effect size, right? Like when I hear an effect size like that, 40%, like now we're talking. Yeah. Like that's a real thing. It's probably. not like 5% or like yeah, you know, some yeah. measly this little. This isn't statistical uh, hogwash. Yeah. Horse hockey. Any, you know, this is, this is good stuff. Any, any theories on why this might be, might be the case? I've got a good one. Yeah. It's flow. You know, you really, you really put in the zone. The women you know? from the uh, progressive commercial. <laughs> it's funny. no, no. So uh, <laughs> his name is very Polish. So I'm gonna, you know, embarrass my heritage by my inability to pronounce his name. But Mihai um, Mihai, I think, is his name. Was like the. I'm not gonna argue. Premier. Sure. Uh, well, you would never guess that based on how it's spelled. Right. Right. Um, but he he so he was a psychologist and he is a psychologist who who sort of did the pioneering research into flow which mm -hmm. is um he started i believe in musicians and artists but then he started broadening out his experience of interviewing these people and sort of systematically describing what these people were talking about when when it came to sort of fulfillment or or uh, engagement in activities. Mm -hmm. So athletes call it, you know, being in the zone. Um, okay. I think I know where you're going with this. And, and I think, you know, it's, it, it's sort of an egoless state where there is no little me, you know, this I that, so, that you're, you're, you're wasting brain energy, uh, thinking about, you know, oh, I'm going to look so good when I do this or whatever. I don't know. Whatever, whatever your brain, your, your sort of subconscious might be thinking of while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, someday I'm going to die. Let's, let's make this basketball game count. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, this, this, so there was a second follow-up experiment. Uh, players uh, participated in a basketball shooting challenge that the researchers described to them in a 30-second tutorial. For, for for a randomly selected half of the group, the person doing the tutorial, also a researcher, wore a um, a jacket, just a jacket, plain old jacket. In the second half of the group, he wore a t-shirt with a skull-shaped word cloud containing only the word death. <laughs> big, big skull word cloud, only the word death. <laughs> I was really curious to hear and, where this was going to go, Dave. And I'll let, and, <laughs> and I'm gonna let you finish, Dave. I'm gonna let you finish. Okay. But, but that sounds so metal. I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> do you, do you want to play a game? You're going to wear a jacket that will kill you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Unless you shoot X baskets. That, that would have been another valid, 
research technique, uh, but not in this case. Players who saw the t-shirt took more shots and performed 30% better than those who saw the, the jacket. So again, there's a pretty good uh, effect there. And the, so the researchers theorize that the reason for this is because if you're, as you say, if you're focused on your death, if you're in some way reminded of your death, you're going to do better because you are interested in leaving a, a strong legacy. Hmm. Uh, and this is the best part of it. Um, the, a quote from the, from the lead researcher. Outside of sports, we think that this has implication for a range of different performance-related task, tasks, like people's jobs. So we're excited about the future of this research. I can't wait for... Um, uh, you know, Jason to come into my office and say, Dave, you need to do better. Or Dave, I, I just want you to do better. Uh, remember, you're going to die. I feel like that would that would be a very valid way of motivating me. So this needs to be a header on all of our exam face sheets now, right? Yeah. 40% jump in the class average. Yeah, I would be interested to see how that plays out. The, the Carver College of Medicine wants to remind you that you are going to die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just curious Maybe. then why the average for the anatomy lab practicals aren't higher. We're literally looking at dead people. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. In yeah. the process of performing. Well, how, how are they? How Maybe. are they? In the, the, the averages? Yeah. I'd say it's about a 90, maybe high 80s. It's perfect. High. Yeah. That's high. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You have no baseline. To, right. To right. Go yeah. on there. I mean, if you did it with with just plastic bodies, you that would probably be why you didn't do as well. <laughs> well, not <laughs> because you weren't. I think there's reminded a few confounding that. variables there, but <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that the anatomy is plastic. But uh, yeah, I like I like this. I think they should do it on a you know more neutral. Uh, subject, but I, 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 I would like to see uh, more neutral than basketball. Players? No, more neutral than anatomy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. uh, you know, I'm just picturing, uh, you know, pick your I'm picturing Rubenstein wearing a skull, <laughs> a skull T-shirt uh, containing words, the word death. I think that would be awesome. Maybe we should get him one. For Chris, for that. Sorry, Hanukkah. That sounds very. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, just, it's just an idea. It sounds very metal, though. I'm not I, sure. I do. I agree. Yeah. I agree with Levi here. All right. Very metal. Just think about that. We, you know, honestly, what we should do. <laughs> well, I've got an idea. Let's just um, play Skeleton Witch really loudly during exams. Skeleton Witch. I'm not sure I know this song. Just, That's what you they know, used to call me when I was just, really thin. Just, uh, <laughs> go, just Google it. You know, just listen to some Skeleton Witch, and uh, um, you, you'll see. Okay. It, you're, it'll enhance your performance. Shall we do it right now? Maybe we should. Should I remove these headphones? Is it is it going to blast? Per permafrost. Oh. Look up the permafrost. Skeleton Witch. I, I see a whole bunch of things. Is it spelled like Wicked Witch or Sandwich? Is it one word or two? <laughs> Skeleton Witch Permafrost. There you go. Yep. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, perfect for studying. Kylie loved that one. That is actually what I listen to when I study. <laughs> oh, really? Scientifically. I start sweating. Scientifically proven to enhance performance 40%. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Here's another probing question. Uh, this is open to everybody, of course. What is the most valuable skill that you've ever learned? I'll tell you what it is for me. Touch typing. There it is. Touch typing. How do you I, type without touching? <laughs> that's well. I, I'm sorry for for you super young people. <laughs> no, we don't know. For for you super young people, this is what they call. Uh, this is what they used to call uh, typing without looking at the keyboard. So touch typing. Like ten, oh, ten finger typing. Yeah, that's a thing. Instead I, it, of it used to be a thing. Back. This is I. I actually learned to type on a on a actual typewriter. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever poke? No. Were you ever a pecker? I, I, well, I must have. Yeah, I was. I was. I was at one time. Is that what they call? I'm always a pecker. Speaking uh, of peckers <laughs> and probing and all of those things we've talked about. Yeah, we uh, seem to be developing the. You, we the, said you said plowing earlier. I did say plowing. Room. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. We. I'm glad that you're here, Kylie, to balance out all the Y chromosomes. Um, Every show should feature at least fewer men. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, any other skills that you that you think are the most important skill you've ever learned i mean at risk of being cliche i think how to interact with people very naturally or be comfortable around other people and maybe some of that was inherently and wired in my brain as an extrovert but i was an only child for a while and an in an oldest child now so i was always dragged around to adult parties and functions and uh my grandparents owned a business, so I was constantly interacting with older adults or even authority figures, and the ability to feel kind of at ease around them okay. has definitely paid off. All right. Levi? I'd say being able to gauge social situations. Uh, okay. Adam? I do not know. I don't know. I haven't come up with one. Adam has John, no skills. You can move on. Adam, Adam, Adam is tall. I am tall, yeah, but it doesn't well, give any advantage because I can't dunk. But you I can tall. reach things on the top of the things. cabinet that I people can, can see me easily, especially with my red hair. You know, I'm like a human torch. Is it really red? It's like auburn. <laughs> I feel like that's the color on the box my mom uses to dye her hair. But, oh, I'll have to take a look when there isn't such a glare. Uh, John, I I think I think it's really learning how to really listen mm -hmm. um so much of our conversation is really about talking right that, that's that's the way that we think of conversation and, and and communicating with people but i think it's far more important to really learn how to listen um and and real listening involves like not thinking about what you're going to say next while someone's talking and that's Really, I am, I'm failing at that right now. By the way, <laughs> it's really challenging, actually. Um, and I think if you do it really well, and especially with someone who's having a really hard time, um, it you can almost sometimes it can kind of backfire. It can almost seem a little strange because the, they say something and you say nothing, just for a moment. There's that sort of silence that's built in there, and so. Um, because if you're really listening, you're listening to every word they're saying and not thinking about what you're going to say next. Um, there, there has to be room for you to think mm. afterwards. Um, and then 
learning that I think is it has to be a, a sort of a forced skill. Like you have to tell yourself, I'm going to imagine like I'm watching a movie. I'm not sitting there thinking like, oh, what's going to happen next? I'm just really paying attention. Okay. Uh, Adam, you don't need skills, I think. And, and here's why I say this. Uh, you're tall. Okay. You're male. You are, you're going to succeed in no matter, no matter what you do. And I, you know, this is, I mean, this is how I feel. Uh, Everything in me is cringing right now. <laughs> but it's, but this is true. Tall men do better uh, career wise uh, than short men like me and, and, and Levi. So, you know, you're in good shape, buddy. You're going to kick some ass out there in the real world. <laughs> You're, you, you know, you may hit your head on a door frame or two, but man, lots of, you're going to hit your head on a lot of surgical lights. <laughs> I can imagine. That's just, I'm just warning you on that one. And when they have the little sterile thing on them to hold them, Ooh. don't unsterile it. They'll get really mad at you. Oh dear. Yeah, that's fine. Rough. I'm worried Don't about my back. Is unsterile is, is unsterile actually a verb? <laughs> Dirtying it? I don't okay. know. It is now. I mean, you know. Desterilizing. Yeah, contaminating it. That's I think that's, that's, that might be a word. But, that's the word we were but I like unsteriling it, okay. yucking it with your germs, <laughs> yes. nastifying it, that licking it, luscious auburn hair. What <laughs> luscious? <laughs> yes, that's never just, dirty. That's it's never dirty. dirty. L- licking luscious auburn hair. Was there a? I'll uh, see you afterwards, Adam. Was there a uh, <laughs> any of the men here on birth control? I know. Dave's the master of the awkward statement. This I've already. Dave. Dave. I've. I've. I've Dave. already. Well, no. Dave. If they are clearly John's, isn't working. Those were <laughs> skittles. Uh, well, I. I. I, I saw uh, that there. You know, there's this. There's this quote-unquote new birth control that's being tested, where men get uh, hormone shots in their butts, and uh, and supposedly works really well um, in terms of preventing birth defects, but. Or, <laughs> In terms of preventing birth. In theory, it should prevent birth defects as well because, you know, you're preventing them from becoming pregnant. I don't know how I feel about this show today. Um, Preventing births. (laughs) And um, I guess that but I I gather that there were some problems uh, in in that the men felt like they were uh, burdened. uh, Or at least inconvenienced or made to feel or uncomfortable with the side effects of the uh, shots. What were the side effects? Anybody know? I think primarily it was uh, severe acne, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, I think, because a lot of women choose hormonal birth control to alleviate their acne. Uh. So I'd be interesting, interested to see an underlying mechanism there. Um, and then, of course, the mood disturbances. And uh, weight gain, too, it says. And and libido changes. So, so well, the the... The acne, is that because it's testosterone versus estrogen, as they say across the pond? I mean, is it, I mean, it's a different hormone for, for women, isn't it? Women's birth control, or yeah, it's not testosterone. Yeah, so, you, so in a woman, you're simulating a pregnancy, yeah. right? In, in some way or another. And so that way, you don't produce a viable and, egg, and, right? Right. What is the birth control? What is the substance in the male as far as the exact chemical i do not know but they 
it functions by reducing the sperm Mm -hmm. that is in the semen. So it's not necessarily 100% effective, but it greatly reduces the odds of fertilization. I don't know. uh, Participants were given injections of progesterone and testosterone. Okay, so that's a combination. With women's birth control, there is the two hormone. You can have estrogen and progesterone or uh, one hormone birth control. Um, It just depends on a woman how she affects or how she's affected by one or the other here's a here's another little factoid uh, one of the studies participants committed suicide and another was unable to regain sperm function uh, so Ooh. I guess that's I saw an attempted suicide I did not see a completed suicide I'm gonna so he was not de-steriled he was sterile yeah yeah uh, and let's see yeah, and then there were the other, of course, the other side effects that you yeah I think you mentioned, which make which makes some sense. Yeah, and well, uh, so progesterone has been used to uh, historically um, for something they called chemical castration in men, um, and so my thought, I guess, is that they were giving progesterone, and then they were also going to give testosterone to sort of overcome the effects of it. But given that that's what it is, that sounds like a, g- a genuinely not advisable thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, supplementing testosterone in men is genuinely not a, a good thing to do, I think, in 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 general. Um, just because you're going to give them too much? Well, just because you're, you're sort of messing with a huge, like a extremely delicate like hormonal axis. Are That's you what the ladies that women do. do not have a delicate hormonal axis. Oh, sh- um, there's going to be a throwdown now. Let no, me I think, it. I think, well, I think all of these things have, have risks, you know? So when you do it systemically in women, there's a, there's a lot of risks associated with that okay, too. So why should women be forced to carry more of the risk and thus the child than men? Well, I, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm, what I'm saying is I, I think that the, that, that particular combination is not you know systemically is not a great idea and i and i think you know we can say the same thing about um the risks of uh, oral contraceptive pills with women as well they're they're you have to weigh the benefits versus the risks and there are known benefits right that the reduced risk of having a pregnancy um, but there's also, you know, increased risks of blood clots and, um, you know, estrogen in progesterone are essentially growth hormones for certain kinds of cells, right? So you're changing the risk, the underlying risk of breast cancers and underlying risk of all sorts. So, and the same thing in men, but testosterone, especially so because it has all of these like blood pressure related effects and cardiac effects. And, um, so that's specifically why I'm saying that. So then, you know, things like IUDs in women act locally. Yeah, they're not. And so they can be a, a have a much lower level of hormone that they elute or none at all for things like a copper IUD. Um, and so these are just way better forms of birth control um, in terms of their efficacy and in terms of their safety and. Uh, it's interesting because in America they're very underutilized. They're m- m- almost all of the rest of the the um, developed nations, you know, have way more utilization of things like IUDs. But there also was a male birth control that um, I was really excited to hear more about, and I don't know how far along it is. It's been a while since I've heard about it. That is a it's sort of a two part gel 
that's injected into the vast deference, I believe. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about this. And so what happens is it sets up sort of like a gel matrix with ions. Um, and then when the sperm pass through this gel, they just get torn to shreds, basically, by these ions. And so they're just completely non-viable when they come through. Now, the interesting thing is almost all of the fluids that come through that, that carry viruses and stuff like that. So say you had HIV mm-hmm. that also get pulled through that. So it reduces viral load in the semen as well. So that was also, you know, that was also something interesting to hear about. Now, it's not going to reduce all of it because not all of it comes through your vas deferens. Sure. Uh, all of your fluid. But. But um, I was curious to hear more about that. And I don't I think it's been a while and maybe people, you know, there's sort of that ick factor like they don't want to have this injected into their vas deferens. But, um, you know, it it can be done like once every couple of years. I mean, like by a trained person, that's. It's not much more. I mean, there, there. Yeah, there's an ick factor there, but it's not much more invasive than. Having an IUD placed, or and, exactly. and as, or, especially know. if someone told you you're like the likelihood that you'll get someone pregnant is dramatically lower for like anywhere between one and five years, and I don't remember what it was. I think it was up to three years, maybe. It's also almost instantly reversible. They can go in and, and inject a different compound, like sort of upstream of it, and that just like makes it all soluble, and you just clear it out. So if you decide all of a sudden like, oh, I want to get we want to, you know, in a couple and I want to get pregnant, um, we want to get pregnant, then boom, there you go. It's over and done. I like the idea of the sperm shredder. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, like, just if you imagine it, like, like on the cellular level, like that just, I mean, it sounds epic. Speaking yeah. of, you know, it I'm, sounds metal. Right? I'm, I'm thinking like that, that hallway from Resident Evil. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or like the X-Men danger room. Like you just go in there and like you just get destroyed. Yeah. I think I would hear this every time I had sex. (laughs) (laughs) Shredded. Shredded. I think a large part of the disappointment. Now that I've made everybody even more comfortable. (laughs) That's what your sperm is hearing. That's the last thing your sperm hears. I don't think that's what my sperm is hearing. (laughs) But. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no. I just think. So there's so much kind of discussion and disappointment and things surrounding this study um, and the results coming out because, especially, I've, I've. seen so many hormonal women taking to Facebook to just rage against this, these findings, because we've seen, you know, what, maybe up to, but probably less than 10% of the 300 men or so in this study, a few of them experience side effects, which are not necessarily very different from the side effects that women have been experiencing. And yet this is going to set it back so far and the pill itself for women or any of the birth control methods have such a kind of a tainted history anyway of being tested and developed on people who couldn't speak for themselves and traditionally uh persons of color and those sorts of things and yet they were constantly pushed forward until better methods could be determined and so there are other things as john mentions in the woodworks of different options for men being developed but at the same time why not put this one out there and say well it's not perfect but it works 
And at the same time, I think it's not being put out there because, well, we have other methods of birth control and we're continuously putting that burden on women to carry it until men get their perfect alternative. Yeah. And and the majority of men who did not drop out said that they would take this as a method of birth control, that they were happy using it. And I think that Kylie brings up a really good point. And I think it's very strange, like ironically coincidental that our medical model actually ends up being very paternalistic in in the sense that we we sort of say oh we're going to decide for you that this is that this isn't you know you don't get to choose whether or not this is something you want to do we've said it isn't it you know it isn't effective enough mm-hmm. or it isn't you know we've said the risks aren't worth the benefits well somebody makes a decision at some point and, 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 and you know as as to whether or not something is for instance marketable right so uh, my guess is, without any actual knowledge, that most pharmaceutical companies are headed up by men. Uh, tall men. Tall men with auburn hair and large lumps on their foreheads from running into door frames. <laughs> uh, and they are probably not thrilled with the idea of being injected in the bo- And so they go, they go, and, and so they go, oh, I don't know, most men probably won't won't like that so you know this is not a viable you know market solution but here's the thing that is a choice to be injected yeah and at the same time men get more choice in the fact that they will not be the ones getting pregnant yeah a woman is required to carry that extra step of precaution because it is her uterus and you know, men willy nilly can just stick it in anything. And, and I'm arguing and I am agreeing with you completely. You know, I just want to be clear. I am not saying that this is a valid, you know, judgment in the sense that, you know, this is something that men shouldn't do, that men shouldn't have injections into their vast deference to, to, to do this. But that's not how this current study was conducted. Yeah. We should know. It was a yeah, shot. No, this is a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or that, you know. But but basically what I'm saying is that the decisions are being made by men to not pursue this male contraceptive because of how, you know, they feel these men who are making the decisions feel about having something injected into themselves. It's a it's a cycle. Men's feelings. I'm rolling my eyes. It's a circle. (laughs) It's a circle of bad decision making, probably. Anyway, echo chamber decision making, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know, I just do. I'm sorry to have caused you to roll your eyes so much today. I do. I do need to stop and just for a moment really appreciate the fact that Kylie said that there will be new male birth control in the woodworks. (laughs) 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 This is the this is the this is the 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 penis show today guys guys dave (laughs) dave dave Dave, Dave, listen Uh, so i i think i think it's really tragic actually that that the ethics of like sort of gender ethics gender politics have have been so un uh inequitable um but i at a certain level i also wonder how like how how do we move towards equality in such an imbalanced with such an imbalanced proposition right like when a woman is pregnant she is taking on basically all the risk Mm -hmm. Uh, let's just focus on on the medical aspect 
she's taking on all of the risk there. Um, and, and so, you know, it's hard, it's really hard to say like, what are equitable solutions? Because, um, you know, women really should have their autonomy must be respected. And so, but women are, you know, and then they're also taking on all the risk of it. So I, I'm, I don't think we talk about this enough or think about this enough um, and and appreciate that, that, that at a certain level, like materially, physi- physically, there will not be equity. So how do we produce rights that protect women in that way? Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying uh, I'm, I'm I'm it's hard to communicate what I'm what I'm thinking here, but it's it's, um, you know, that we know fundamentally that the physiology is not the same. Mm. So we can't, the goal cannot be, you know, treat women the same as treating men because they're not the same. But that being said, like we want some level of sort of fundamental right. So that, that everyone is respected, that sort of fundamental level of autonomy. And so uh, we get kind of caught in a situation, um, you know, and this is territory that I'm definitely at risk of putting my foot in my mouth. Uh, very far in my mouth uh, with because if you think about it right like what did I just say I just said women and men are not equal yeah right and 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 I'm not saying women are less lesser than men and I am saying that historically I do believe that the argument can be made that women have been treated lesser than men and a whole bunch of different things like that but what does moving what does moving to an equitable future look like knowing that women and men in that sort of physiologic biologic basis this is a problem we're going to continuously run into so long as we see like john uh like dave mentioned the majority of pharmaceutical ceos and leadership is men we see the predominance of men in congress and the senate affecting every day and revoking the autonomy of women over their bodies and this is a problem that is not necessarily going to be solved by one subject such as birth control it's a larger issue of promoting women in our society and mm-hmm. in positions of leadership and respect speaking of which here's another probing question for each of the following people what medical specialty would they best study yes uh, let's start with um, Vladimir Putin Orthopedics? <laughs> I was thinking more like equine veterinarian. <laughs> Orthopedics might be good. You know, he's a... I'm just thinking that... He's a manly that, man. That that picture of him riding shirtless. I mean, he looks jacked. Well, okay. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, and, and orthopedics folks, uh, what, tend to be uh, more jockey. See, I focus more on the horse than on shirtless Putin. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> or what it says about... Levi. I know exactly what it says about me. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Family med. Okay. Primary I, care in a rural area. Uh, yeah. Or, or psychiatry or pediatrics. Yeah. You know, I, something, uh, you know, he, I think I could see OB-GYN too, like in the, the sense that there's I like can't. a lot yeah, of, I can't see that. there's a lot of that sort of, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm crossing my legs. The, the advocacy aspect of it. Cause okay. I think there's a lot of advocacy related stuff in those. You know, there's a lot of leftist sort of social policy uh, implications to all of those specialties. Elizabeth Warren. Hmm. She might also be. 
She might also be primary care, I would think. I don't want to go for the easy answer. Care, like here, but... neurology? Oh, okay. Yeah, she's really clever. She's really smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could she could definitely do, she could do that. Okay. Those kinds of like, things like neurology, rheumatology. There's a lot of like sort of ethereal things you have to put together <laughs> and see the big picture, and then uh, lay down medicine. The, lay down the law. Internal medicine was was one of those specialties, right? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, to... yeah. So those uh, rheumatology is a subspecialty yeah. of internal med. Yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz. An administrator, <laughs> like someone some, who doesn't practice. Somebody who has way too much authority and no technical experience. Okay. By the way, Ouch. I am applying to residencies right now, so this you know this is going to really hurt me. But <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah, maybe we should stop using should, last names on the show. Should we hold this off until? No, no, bring it on. All right. You know, I'm... I'm you don't want to be somewhere that respects I love, Ted Cruz I love political abilities. I love being the underdog. Okay. Uh, last but not least, Donald Trump. I think he's that OB guy that's going to struggle for business. Well, he is interesting. <laughs> one, of those, one of those dudes who um, gets arrested for... Not having a medical license, not having gone to medical school, ins <laughs> inserting, uh, inserting like inserting like plastic, like plastic foam plastic toys and you know as fake breast implants. Like, oh yeah, yeah. like that, like one of those people, like Jeez. those guys that get arrested like in Florida. Dare I say, went to med school in the Caribbean? Yeah. No, no, Ooh. I don't think they went to med school at all. <laughs> Oh. Or or they did, you know, and then they they um like failed out of their practice or whatever and then they then they then they decided they were all of a sudden, you know, like a really well qualified plastic surgeon and and opened up shop. Sorry, Dave, I just lost us all three of our listeners at St. George's. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his license is just that everybody everybody knows is good. You, you know it, I know it, everybody knows it. Right. It's the best. It's the, it's best, the best license. It's going to be huge. Well, maybe he can get into... Regarding the breast implant. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he can get into home orthodontia, which uh, apparently is a thing on YouTube. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I I do have a gap in in my teeth. It's called a, a diastema, and uh, I don't find it particularly distressing. It's just you know, part of you know who I am. Do you whistle unintentionally? Uh, no, I don't think so. Do I? No. <laughs> uh, but other people have trouble with their gaps, and orthodontia is is pretty damn expensive. Uh, so some are uh, taking matters into their own hands. I did a search on YouTube, and I found quite a few videos more than I was comfortable with. Um, like that of this young man, uh, whose name is Brandon. So the first step is to buy the rubber bands from Walmart, and then you basically just put the rubber band in your teeth. In this first image, you'll see like one rubber band on the top, and then there's two rubber bands on the sides to pull the side teeth together. Uh, Brandon is advocating for using hair bands that you get from Walmart or wherever, and just wrapping them around your teeth so that you close the gap. Uh, dentists and orthodontists aren't thrilled about this uh, idea. Among the risks, they say, are your teeth falling out and cutting your gums, leading to horrible infections. I'll um, also add that that presents a major choking hazard. Okay, yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. So don't do it on your gap tooth babies. 
Um, Brandon uh, and other frustrated gaff, gap sufferers aren't deterred. He says that uh, uh, while those certainly are risks, it's the same risk uh, uh, that comes with professionally installed braces. I mean, after all, they do have rubber bands on them and things like that. Um, I don't think I'd buy it. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it is the same risk, you know, going to our Donald Trump surgeon as going to, <laughs> say, one of our lovely plastic surgeons at the University of Iowa. Yeah. It's the same. Only. It's, it's basically the same. Look, it's great. It's going to be great. Only so much bigger. <laughs> the same risk, <laughs> the only larger. Yeah, nine, like 99% likely to fail and... 1% likely to fail are basically the same thing, right? Look, 99% of people that are me ex agree with that. Yes. You know, I, I have a hard time judging them because when I cognitively regress myself back, what, 15 years, and in third, fourth grade, we were all really jealous of the cool kids in class who got braces. And so we would try this ourselves with the small black rubber bands we would um unfold and reshape paper oh, clips so, so you things. were so you were you were doing this though as as sort of a costume or uh, yeah just to you know to try and feel what it was like to be cool and have braces and that sort of thing but the, again we were like nine years old and so that's why i'd say i would hesitate to judge this person because maybe you know he's still got that nine-year-old brain that thinks this well, is gonna work i'm it's a good a idea. lot of these a lot of these youtubers who are who are talking about this. There's one uh, uh, girl who looks, I would be surprised if she was more than 10 or 11 years old. She's got 1.7 million views on her how to wrap your teeth in rubber bands. And uh, young Kylie could have been so famous if yeah, I was right? only born a few years later. Yeah. I want to go to what school you went to. I got yeah. made fun of for wearing braces. Braces are not yeah. usually cool. That is very interesting. That was bizarro. Well, I think we, we can all agree, though. We are living in bizarro world now. Yeah, it's true. Like, the Cubs won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump is the, uh, you know, Republican nominee. I mean, this is basically, like, we're just two, sh two horsemen short. Yep. <laughs> that sounds... Like a good place to uh, <laughs> to end the show. Uh, it's all, and it's really all we have time for this week, folks. I'm sorry. I hope I made you uh, not too uncomfortable this week, listeners. Oh, I thought he was talking to me. No. Well, you're my listener by proxy, and you're also right in front of me. Thank you for making us a part of your week, and if you like what you heard today, consider sharing us with your friends. And send us a suggestion on what we might discuss next time uh, at theshortcoats at gmail.com or 347shortct. A review on iTunes wouldn't, wouldn't be amiss. We'd love that. This show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our editor is Aline Sanduk. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. And our closing music is by Agrifox. Talk to you in one week. Woodwork. Woodwork.